You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Mino Lion Media presents Conversations with Dr. Ian Smith. Joe Morton has been described as an actor's actor. You've seen him in everything from blockbuster movies like Terminator, to an Emmy award-winning role in Scandal. You might not know his name, but you know the characters he's played, and that is a credit to how gifted he is on the screen. Joe Morton, thank you for joining the conversation. My pleasure. Let me start with your acceptance speech uh, for your Emmy uh, as Rowan Pope. Um, And what struck me about that speech, which I'm sure many of my listeners, when they hear very acclaimed actors like yourself win awards, is that... Actors always seem to be surprised that they actually won. Your your statement was, when I heard the category, I was looking for the exit door. Why are actors always so surprised when they win an Emmy, an Oscar, a SAG, or a big award? I'm not sure they're always surprised. I mean, I think there are certain actors, you know, because of whatever publicity, et cetera, et cetera, you, you kind of halfway expect to win. Um, I think for me, because of the um, other actors in that particular category, I was probably the least well-known. Um, even, I think it was, uh, what's her name? Jane Lynch, Jan- who was the presenter. Yes. Even when she spoke my name, she was surprised. <laughs> and I could see, she was. yeah, she was like, and the winner is Joe Morton. And I thought, even she's surprised. So I think it's because, um, as I say, I think I was the least known in that particular category. Um, uh, I was kind of just honored by the fact that I had been nominated. Really, I mean, yes, I prepared a speech because um, that's the kind of actor I am. I thought if by any chance I win, I should have something prepared. And and in fact, almost left out Shonda Rhimes' name in that speech. I saw it. Yeah. I saw it. <laughs> so, so... You thank Shonda after your parents? <laughs> yes, yes. I realized, oh my God, I, I haven't I haven't said thank you to the one person who got me here. So I think for me that's what it was. I was I was surprised because yes, I was very happy to be nominated. I didn't think I would be the winner. Joe, you are one of the most versatile actors on the planet. You have been in so much from Broadway to soap operas, and my grandmother used to say the stories. Right. Uh to movies, to TV shows, primetime, you name it, you have done it. What goes through your mind or through your heart, through your being, when you are nominated for an award after having such a long history of great work? You know, the way I was taught, I um, I think I never, I mean, I think I always thought that awards went to stars went to major celebrity. Um, I never considered myself a star or a major celebrity. I thought I only considered myself as an actor, someone who makes choices about the material that I do, um, very deliberate choices about what I say yes to and what I say no to. So that when something like the Emmys came up, especially in the category of guest star, you kind of think, you know, um, yes, it's lovely, but... but um, what does it actually mean in terms of my career and what I've done? 
And I suppose on some level it does mean because the way that character was written, because he was someone who was given monologues for every every episode, and because that particular show was one in which the audience could tweet live with the broadcast, it was probably the closest I'd ever felt in front of a camera as if I were on stage. And And for that reason, I felt like that kind of is what that award meant to me, is that all the years that I'd spent working on stage and, and doing theater uh, actually paid off on a television show, which was kind of remarkable all in, all in itself. If you will allow me, and I'm not trying to um, in any way marginalize or demean you, but if you allow me to give you a, a comparison, a personal comparison, one of my favorite actors of all time is Gene Hackman. Mm-hmm. And I felt as though Gene Hackman was an actor's actor. Mm-hmm. You know, Gene Hackman wasn't, I mean, he had star power in the sense of all that he did and how great he was, but he wasn't the star star, he, you know, but he was a working actor. Um, and he could go any role he played, you believed him, he morphed into that role. People may not know the name Joe Morton, but when they listen to this and Google you, and they're gonna say, of course, I know, <laughs> I've seen him in this, I've seen him in that. You really are, if I may borrow the expression, an actor's actor. Well, thank you. I mean, that's that means probably more to me, or as much, certainly as much to me as it does the award, because that is what I've been pursuing. Um, it, people like Gene Hackman and Robert Duvall, another one like that. You know, actors who who have taken on major roles uh, for all of their career, um, and you may or may not have known after a period of time what their names were. Certainly, you know, after Apocalypse Now, you knew who Robert Duvall was. You know, after The French Connection, you knew who Gene Hackman was. Uh, and for me, maybe you knew my name because of Terminator 2. Um, so those moments happen, um, but it doesn't change who that actor is. Um, and the period, actually, that we're talking about, the period where a Robert Duvall and a Gene Hackman could become a household name was at the same period where an actor of my stature, because I am the ethnic cue that I am, might not become a household name because of all the things that, for instance, Viola Davis talked about in her acceptance speech, which was opportunity. I take the opportunities as they come up and as they sort of lend themselves to the kind of things I want to do, which won't be the same number of opportunities as a Gene Hackman or a Robert Duvall. Thank you for segueing into that. That's a beautiful segue. Uh, You know, it's interesting. People don't understand how it works behind the wall, okay? They think, well, Joe Morton's a famous actor. Jeez, I saw him on Scandal. He can do anything he wants to do, any role he wants, big movies, small independent movies. But that's not the case. Explain to people who are listening exactly the process by how you get the roles or how you get the phone calls. You know, go from going to your agent to you. Give us... Take us through the process. So, I mean, there was a point in my career, obviously, where I had to audition for everything. Uh, After doing Raisin, the musical version of Raisin in the Sun, and possibly after doing Brother from Another Planet, I became visible. And so the audition happens. You go in and so someone sends uh, a message to my agent or my manager and says, oh, we're interested in seeing Joe for this particular role. Um, The joke in my household always was uh, when I went in for an audition, because now remember, brother, from another planet, I didn't speak. So nobody knew anything about the way this voice would come out of this body. Um, And so 
it always seemed to me that it was a disappointment because there's no regionalism in my in my voice. And so the people would after the audition would always say, and I just loved you in Brother from Another Planet. And I thought, see, so I didn't get that job. And and that continued Raisin actually helped a great deal because again it was Broadway. I was nominated for a Tony. Um so that again helped with visibility. And it probably wasn't until after um Terminator Two. And Terminator Two always seemed to me like a um uh, a moment out of uh, an old 1950s movie because when the movie came out i was in la i was actually in 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 santa monica and these young men white men came running out of a bar they'd obviously just seen terminator 2 and extolled me with how wonderful they thought my death scene was and i thought isn't that what they usually say in those old movies i love the way you died um <laughs> Um, and it really, but it obviously had great meaning for a great number of people because I think, again, it made me more visible. So more opportunities made themselves um, available to me because of Terminator 2. But the, the process basically is, uh, and now at this point, usually what happens is instead of my being asked to come in to audition for something, now the process is um, we're interested in Joe and it's usually an offer. And so it's, it's more up to me as to whether or not I want to accept that offer or not. And, that, and that's kind of the way it goes. Now, but the other way to look at all of this is there was a time, and to some extent there still is a time, you know, if you're an executive for one of the major studios, more than likely you're an older man and you're white or an older woman and you're white. And there's uh, the kinds of stories that you want to tell. And when you think of telling those stories, you think of someone who looks like you. You know, so you want Leonardo DiCaprio to play that role. You know, you want any number of these wonderful. I mean, no, no I'm trying not to say anything negative about Leonardo DiCaprio. He's a wonderful actor, but that's that's the hue they're going to go for. So it's only been recently that now you have things like The Harder They Fall, a Western with all black mm. actors, you know, or you have a movie like Passing, which is an old 1929 story that, you know, that now has two wonderful black actresses in it, you know, or that Kevin Hart gets the opportunity to do a limited um, crime series. But, though, but the, all those things happened because of, unfortunately, because of George Floyd, because there was a time where we were sequestered in our homes in front of the television set. And that horrible story of what happens between young black men and policemen was there, um, was inescapable in front of us. And so that horrible story um, opened some doors and opened some minds. And now we do have more people who are being able to green light or certainly being given the opportunity to tell their kinds of stories. When Sidney Poitier died, mm. my brother and I were speaking and he said something very salient to me. He said, because I was saying Sidney Poitier is described as the first African-American movie star. And he said to me, think about all of the actors and actresses who over the years went to the grave and never got a shot. Mm -hmm. Never got the opportunities for the big films, for the big TV shows. They just never got a shot, simply not because they, of their performance uh, ability, but simply because of the hue of their skin. And if you really think about that for a second, 
when you think about all these years of the motion picture industry and, and TV, and think about all of the actors or those who wanted to be and simply couldn't be because they didn't get an opportunity. It's a really tragic and sad thought. And it really kind of gives you perspective about how difficult it is to really, quote unquote, make it or even get a chance to make it. Very deep. And, 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 and think about what that meant to Sydney. Right. He had to be every kind of black man possible. He had to be, you know, the runaway convict in Defiant Ones. He had to be the detective in uh, Heat of the Night. He had to be some kind of Jesus spirit kind of character in Brother John. You know, he had to be all these different people. And he was the only one. So the amount of pressure on him to be perfect in every role was enormous. Now, what he what he was able to do or what was the um, result of what he was what he did was that the more people saw him, the more they saw other black people, not necessarily on screen, but just in general in in the world. There was a, a kind of respect for a certain kind of black man. I mean, you know, uh, whenever I think of guess who coming, guess who's coming to dinner, I always think they sh it was they told the story from the wrong point of view. I didn't care about you know uh, Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn. They they were ultimately going to say yes. I would have loved to seen that story told from his parents' point of view, who are having a hard time with that whole idea of him getting married to this woman. I thought that's a far more interesting story than than the one that we were told. And the other side of it is there there were actors like Woody Strode, who you and I may know, but a lot of people won't know who he who he who he was, who he is, and what and what he brought to the screen. I mean, he was a powerful. I heard a story just the other day. I think Warring, uh, Warrington Huddleston told me he said that he had a conversation with Woody, and Woody apparently told him at one point he was doing some film, and I guess he was standing next to whoever the white star was, and Woody took off his shirt, and the white star went to the director and said, mm, you know, he can't do that, and they said, why? Well, I can't stand next to him the way he looks and that's an interesting point of view you know and the other thing is again just in terms of the culture of it all one of the reasons that i loved defiant ones is that it really was a wonderful metaphor for the relationship between black and white people at that time we are chained together and we can't we can't live without one another we are definitely in a Tug, a tug of war in terms of who's carrying it on. And just to make the point even further, there's a wonderful old joke. Uh, you remember the scene in Divine Ones? Uh, they're running, the train is going, Sidney jumps on the train and he extends his hand, but in the joke he says, bye-bye, white man. Joe, <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, you've done so much for so long. What excites you at this stage of your career? What kind of role... What kind of situation? What excites you? There's a number of things that I'm working on that, that do excite me at the moment. I'm preparing to do King Lear in L.A. this this summer at the um, Wallace Annenberg Center. So that excites me. Um, just the way we're approaching the project is, is exciting because of the fact that we are making it about really two very dysfunctional families. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how many black men have had the privilege of trying to play King Lear. So to me, that's. That's very exciting. Um, inside the black box and the idea of putting together a, an interactive interview show that is similar to but not the same as Inside the Actors Studio in that we are not just interviewing stars who come on the show and hearing their story. We're actually 
having those stars interact with our students. They do improvs, they do theater games. And the purpose of the, of the show is to try to build a community, very much like the original Actors Studio, was to build a community of actors who were trying to look at the craft in a very particular way. And well, we're this trying, is happening right now? This is happening. We just, uh, we just uh, premiered yesterday on Crackle TV. Uh, we shot 10 uh, episodes this past uh, fall, this past October. Um, it is a wonderful show. I mean, we have people like Felicia Rashad and Raymond Simone and uh, Omar Dorsey and Darnell Martin and uh, Norm Lewis, uh, just who come on. And they're not coming on the show to talk about their new play or their new movie or their new TV show or their book. They're coming on to talk about their experience in this business and to and to hopefully drop gems in the laps of the 45 to 60 students who are on camera with them uh, and doing improvs. The, the students do improvs, as I say, or, or theater games is one, it's entertaining, but two, we criticize or we talk about what they do so that it's, it's an education and Three, they're getting an opportunity to be on camera. You know, the people will see them work. People will see what they can do. Um, the, the guests who come on the show who might be doing the improv with them will see what these actors can do. So it's, again, trying to build a, a community. As a person of your stature and you get into these you know shows like Scandal and Terminator, these really big projects, is it any different in your preparation than something that may be a small budget or an independent? What kind of what's the difference in these projects? Uh, it's funny you should say that. Um, da Vinci, who is a wonderful young black actor, uh, who I think is on um, BMF, he's just for the first time been on Broadway, and I asked him the same question. I said, "So, in terms of the character that you're playing, you know, what's the difference between being in front of the camera and being on?" And he said, "You know, he said for him it was crazy. He said um, he had a joke with the." Uh, director he said he called it looney tunes he said because you know in in the world of looney tunes that you know the the rules of what you do are not the same as being a regular human he said all the things that actors do on broadway are all the things he was always taught not to do because if he did those things he wouldn't get the job so and what he's come to obviously is that there is a method of approaching a character um, no matter what that method is it doesn't change whether you're in front of the camera or whether you're on stage. The only differences are, is when you are on stage, you have to fill a theater. So that means it's you're using your entire body and your voice. Um, whereas when you're in front of the camera, especially for television, the landscape for television is the face. So that becomes primarily what the audience sees. And of course, you can't be very big because you'll out, you just be too big for the camera. So the process of creating the character is the same. The difference is the size, and, and, and that's essentially what it is. Do you have a favorite medium? And if so, what is it and why? I think probably theater is where I started. It's And, and the why is that there is no take two. Is Once you're out on that stage, you are out there. Um, you can't say, oh, 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 I said the wrong line. Let's just do that again. No, no. You have to find, you know, it's like what uh, Pacino says in, uh, is it Scent yeah, Scent of a Woman with the tango? If you get tangled up, you just have to tango on. So the same thing is true on stage. If you get tangled up, you just have to tango on. I just, someone was just talking to me about what what I like to do when, when I do TV. And I told them that there is nothing more exhilarating than live TV. Oh, I gosh. I love doing live interviews. And they said, well, why? I said, because there is very little room for error. And you can't take it back and you have to make it work. 
Yes. And I, I like the pressure of that situation making me elevate my performance because I have no safety net. So hearing you say that, you know, I think the same thing about, you know, being on the stage. This is it. I mean, this is live this, stuff. This is live. This is it. There's, you know, there's no getting around the fact that you just have to make it work. That's right. Before we go, I know we're running out of time here. I, I want to ask you about just kind of if you can just break down for my listeners, how does it feel being a big time actor like, you know, people have. Well, because think about it. I mean, you lived in this lane for so long. You may or may not remember how it was not to be in this lane. But just think about the average person who's sitting on the couch or the bed watching you on TV. And they have all these thoughts about what Joe Morton's life must be like. He must have a chauffeur. He must have a huge <laughs> in Hollywood Hills. He must fly private planes over to Khan whenever he wants to. What is it like? Just kind of, you know. <laughs> For me, the more I can just be a regular person, the better it is. Because that's what my job is. My job is to investigate the human condition. So if my life is about private planes and limousines and some Hollywood uh, existence, then I'm living in a bubble. I'm not living a, a real life. I think, yes, I think people have, uh, and, 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 and to some extent, I understand that you'd rather have the fantasy about who I am than what the reality is. I, I don't live in, in Hollywood. Uh, I, I live in New Jersey. I, I don't take private planes, mostly because, and this some people might be envious of, if I get a job and, and I have to go someplace, I can take commercial airline, but I'm not paying for the ticket. So that's fine. But if it's a job that's going to take some time, yes, I get paid uh, a nice salary because that means I have to find a place on my own to live. Some of those things are, are real, but most of those things probably are not. I mean, I think there are probably stars out there. You know, if you think of someone like, uh, uh, let's say, Michael Jackson when he was alive, it must have been very difficult for him to move one place to the other because there was so much so much fame, you know, so much going on. And I think for those kinds of stars, that's probably true. I think they they take that kind of life because it's the only way they can secure their privacy. Um, they can't just walk down the street. I can't. And I'm grateful for the fact I can walk down the street. You know, uh, every once in a while, it'll happen where I'll be in the city. And if I'm in New York City, I take a subway. And people will come up to me and say, why are you on the subway? And I said, because it's the fastest way to get around New York City. Why am I going to be in a car? It's going to take me four times as long just to get across town as if I take the subway. I had a funny situation when I was on the subway. I, I love the subway, too, by the way. I haven't done it since COVID because of COVID, but typically the subway is my thing. And I was on the subway one time and a lady recognized me from the news when I was doing the Today Show. And the lady says to me, Dr. Ian, you're on a subway? And I said, <laughs> yeah, of course I'm on a subway. How do you want me to get from point A to point B? She said, I figured like you flew on helicopters or something like that. <laughs> and she really meant it. She really thought. I'm sure. You know, so I, so I always like to, you know, for those who aren't in the business, people have these ideas. And you, you're, you've, you've done a wonderful job of segueing into my topics. So you still, I mean, you're not Michael Jackson, obviously, but you still get recognized. How does it feel when people, I have my own feeling when people recognize me and come up to me, but how does it feel when people come up to you, you're at dinner and, you know, they want your autograph? You know, it's, it's, it's lovely. Most people are very nice. Most people are, you know, um, they want to be supportive or they're overly excited or whatever it, or whatever it might be. Um, it's just those folks, for instance, if I'm on the phone and someone recognizes me and they want me to stop what I'm doing to sort of pay attention to them. And I might even say, just, you know, give me a minute, but they will 
persist. And that bothers me. That's that's the only time. But most people are are very nice or they are in disbelief. Um, I was in a delicatessen and some guy said, you look like that guy who's in Terminator 2. And I said, yes, that's who I am. He said, no. And I said, no, that's who I am. He said, no, 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 no. No, you, you, no. And I said, well, you know what? Have it your way. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Okay, so, I, um, geez, I can go on all day for you. And, and in fact, you know, I have uh, one of my novels is being turned into a streaming show. It's about an African-American police detective who leaves from Chicago, it's based in Chicago, but it's a story and um, we aren't casting yet, but, and you may be too big for us, but you better believe I'm going to tell the casting director that I want them to at least reach out to your people to figure out. Reach out, reach out. Okay, <laughs> we'll do it for sure. So I, I end my uh, interviews with something called the random seven. I ask you okay. seven quick random questions, quick answers, and whatever your answers are, they are. Okay. okay. Here we go. Number one, what makes Joe Morton really angry? Um, nonsense. Stupidity. If you were not an actor, what would you be doing that you'd be passionate about? Probably trying to be a musician. Me too, by the way. Who have you always had a crush on and why? Uh, Felicia Rashad, because she's smart and beautiful. Wow. We, we share a lot of the same stuff. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. What does Joe Morton own? that's expensive and he doesn't feel guilty about it. Well, I suppose uh, I have a Tesla, the small one, but a Tesla. Okay. Who have you not met, alive or deceased, who you'd like to meet and have dinner with? Martin Scorsese. Yeah, Martin Scorsese. So I'm not supposed to do this in this random seven, but I can't help it. See, this is what I mean. How does someone like you, with your history, not have had a chance to meet Martin Scorsese yet? Well, because we've just never been in the same room at the same time, you know. Um, Steven Spielberg is somebody else I'd love to meet. Steven Spielberg, I was actually, I think I was one of the people he was considering uh, for uh, the original Jurassic Park. Sam Jackson walked in, and what I was told is he thought Sam was me and gave him the part. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Jackson, geez, come on, dude. Don't you have enough already? Uh <laughs> no, no, this is, but this is way back when, now, remember. This is, right. I'm talking about the original, the original dress. That's part. right. That's right. Number six. When you think of the greatest actors of all time, give me three names. Sidney Poitier, Harry Belafonte, Marlon Brando. Excellent. Last question. A hundred years from now, someone finds an article about some guy named Joe Morton. What do you want them to read? That he was a good actor, loved history. I guess a nice guy. <laughs> I don't know. Joe Morton, thank you for the conversation. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to the conversation today. I hope it has a positive impact on your life. Of course, you can reach out to me and follow me on social. On Twitter, it's at Dr. Ian Smith, D-R-I-A-N Smith. On Instagram, at Dr. Ian Smith. Make sure you spell the doctor out, I-A-N Smith. And on Facebook, Dr. Ian Smith. And of course, if you want to transform your life starting in eight weeks, pick up a copy of my new book. It's called Burn, Melt, Shred. And join our Facebook group by the same name, Burn, Melt, Shred. I do Facebook live sessions, Zoom sessions, all free to help you transform your life. And make sure you check out my website, www.dreiansmith.com. Make sure you spell out the doctor. Take care. Conversations with Dr. Ian Smith is hosted by Dr. Ian Smith, associate producer Ariel Mancibo, executive producers Ian Smith and Ken Johnson. Find the Conversations with Dr. Ian Smith podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, 
Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts, or on IG at Dr. Ian Smith. Conversations with Dr. Ian Smith is a mean old line media production. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.